This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Marta and Annie Osnavorian have just put out their first recording as a duo, and they're celebrating their Armenian heritage. The recording is called Gems from Armenia. You'll find out about these beautiful pieces and how Annie is performing on a cello made by her father. It's all just ahead in this edition of New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. I want to start out, Marta and Ani, by just having you kind of introduce yourselves and what you do in addition to being a duo, because I know that you're not in the same place, so you probably make an added effort to get together to um, make your duo recording and perform together as a duo. So, My name is Marta Osnavorian. I'm a pianist and sister of Ani Osnavorian, and we are the Osnavorian duo I also am founding member and pianist in my trio, the Lincoln Trio. I also teach at DePaul University here in Chicago, and I'm also on faculty at Music Institute of Chicago, a pre-college music school, and I'm also artist in residence at that school. So I teach and perform. Is that a school that you attended growing up? I did. Ani and I both attended this school. It's a great school. Um, We have a lot of fond memories. The quality has always been incredibly high, and now is no exception. So yes, it's it's very, very sweet to be back where we spent many, many days and hours traveling to and living at, studying when we were kids. Ani, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name's Ani Aznavorian, and I live in Santa Barbara, California. I'm a cellist and sister of Marta Aznavorian of the Aznavorian duo. And I, um, here in Southern California, I'm principal cellist for Camerata Pacifica, which is a a fantastic chamber music organization. And we have core members and and guests. And I've been the principal cellist for about 15 years now. And I I perform solo and chamber music wherever they'll have me. And you perform it on a beautiful instrument that was made by your father. Is that right? Indeed, yes. I love talking about my cello. My father made an instrument for me in the year 2000 because I was borrowing an instrument at the time and people that borrow instruments, which is often the case in in our profession because musicians can't afford these unbelievable prices for these old instruments. Musicians will tell you that when you're borrowing an instrument, you never know when it can be taken away. And, you know, the owner might want to sell it or something like that. So for precaution, my dad said, well, why don't I make you an instrument? Because I was borrowing one at the time. And so we both knew if it didn't turn out well, that I wouldn't play on it, but it was great from the first from the first note, and it's only gotten better since. He was a chemist originally and changed professions to follow his passion. In his, uh, I think he was in his forties when he did that. He makes violins, violas, and cellos. Wow, that sounds like it has a wonderful spirit to it, uh, with it all does. of those connections. And I it imagine does. there are Armenian connections that go right into that instrument. Can you talk <laughs> a little bit about? the traditional Armenian values that impacted both of you as you were growing up and which are coming through in this new recording, Gems from Armenia. I'd say we were raised in a 
very traditional and somewhat strict Armenian household. But we were definitely exposed to the culture in a big way um, through the food, the music, the social Armenian scene. There's quite a few Armenians in the Chicago area where we grew up. Um, we'd go to church events on occasion and Armenian picnics, and we always enjoyed it. Uh, but I would say that the music was such a, a big part of, of that, um, and it really sort of went through our skin into our blood um, from a very young age. So it, it the CD felt very natural to make for us. Um, we were very connected to these Armenian harmonies and melodies, and some of them are very famous old tunes that we've heard for years. So we're happy to be able to, to share a part of us with the public. Ani and Marta, you were raised in the Chicago area, and you have had a chance to travel to Armenia. I know at least in 2017 you went there to perform. What was most memorable for you about having a chance to make that trip? Well, there were many memorable parts of it. We had never been, so that was sort of a long-awaited special place for us. We didn't know quite what to expect. We knew we were playing for the opening of a children's wing at a particular hospital, pediatric wing, and we were performing a concert as a, you know, basically fundraiser, but it was in honor of uh, that hospital. Wigmore Clinic. Wigmore Clinic, yes. And Dr. Garin Kaloyan was the head of it, um, and still is. And we performed at Kachaturian Hall, uh, which was very, you know, kind of an honor to do so as so many great performers, not just Armenian performers, but performers across the board have performed there. Um, One thing that struck me initially was in driving through the, the countryside, getting into the main cities, into Yerevan, which is the capital. I loved the looking into the distance, just the landscape of it. You know, it's exactly how I had envisioned it just from the pictures and it really looked just like it. And we had some time to go to see, to go into those um, country areas and to hear and to see the churches, the old churches and just seeing those stone ancient churches in its natural landscape of Armenia was really just striking to me and um, quite sentimental. You know, we all got quite sentimental about it, actually. Um, as religion is a big part of being Armenian, it is the original Christianity, the, the first country to adopt Christianity as its um, religion. So there is a strong religious sense, and the churches are just magnificent to see them in their natural landscape um, surroundings. Um, they were so open t- to invite us in to Armenian American girls, loved hearing us perform. At first, we were skeptical whether we should perform Armenian music in Armenia. And we actually added, we played some Beethoven as well. But I have to say the Armenian music was definitely what they loved um, and appreciated us bringing it to them. I guess evidently they have not had enough of Armenian music and we're happy to hear <laughs> us perform it. Um, we then, I, we attended a concert, a cello concerto written by Vace Sharafian, who was one of the composers on our disc. And it was his cello concerto when we, we met the composer Vace after the performance and we spoke with him and we talked about our ideas of create, you know, of our debut Armenian disc and would have loved and loved the idea of playing something of his as a living composer, something that we could put on. And he was 
very accommodating and it was just a wonderful experience to meet some Armenian composers who lived there. Having been to the capital city of Yerevan, there is also a piece on your recording that is named for that city. Now that you've witnessed that place, how do you think that piece of music by Kachaturian reflects that place? Well, first of all, we had to include some Khachaturian on our on our disc. Um, what, what's an Armenian CD without Khachaturian? <laughs> uh, so we were there. There was quite a few things to choose from, but Yerevan. It's it's a sort of a joyous uh, piece of music, and not all. I mean, so much of the music we put on the disc is poignant haunting, soulful, sad. So it was nice to include Yerevan, which kind of captures the the joyous spirit of the Armenian people uh, and, you know, the colorful city of Yerevan. We chose to play it in more of a sentimental sort of way, so sort of thinking back to almost as if uh, we left Yerevan and we're thinking back to it and the the wonderful memories. So, yeah, we, we love that little piece. It's just a little ditty, but it's, it's so pretty. It's a gem. <laughs> One of the many gems on this recording. <laughs> you mentioned this is your first Armenian disc. Have you made other recordings together? Actually, no, we haven't. This is our debut disc together as as Navorian duo. And it happens to be a representation of, you know, Sadie Records wanted, they like the initial debut album to really represent the artist and have a connection to their background. And obviously, our Armenian is the biggest background that we can make tangible on a disc. So it, it lended itself to a great, just a great idea and a great experience, almost cathartic, you know, to go through these songs because you can't, you know, most Armenians have a very strong sense of being Armenian. Even if we weren't born there, we have a strong sense of what it means to be Armenian and a strong connection to our heritage. And this music is sort of like little windows to our memories of our grandparents and memories of, or just ideas of what it was like before, you know, our ancestors, before our grandparents that we never knew. So there is a sentiment to it all and recording it was was like I said quite cathartic and you did dedicate your recording to your grandfather would you tell us a little bit about him our, our grandfather was one of those people that was sort of larger than life and everybody and people still um who we haven't seen in decades say wow I remember your grandfather they won't remember anything about us but they'll remember our grandfather because he's a small man but he just had a very big personality <laughs> and a he loud sort voice. Of the God. Yeah, he was sort of the godfather of our family. All decisions went through him. But he was an extremely loving grandfather, very present in our lives. He'd come over every day and uh, he'd listen to us practice, no matter what we were practicing. So when we were recording this music, we were thinking, oh gosh, he listened to us play so many things like scales and etudes and modern music. He would have loved this Ar- these Armenian tunes that reminded him of his childhood, of the sacrifices his parents made when they left Turkey and came to the United States. Um, it would have meant so much to him. We got kind of sentimental thinking, thinking about that as we were recording. Uh, we just loved him so much and we were He was a big part of our thoughts as we were recording this music.
Is there a piece on this recording that was like maybe one of his favorite melodies? I think he would have related to all the, the comitas music that starts the CD. Comitas was sort of the grandfather of Armenian music. He's the one who created the flav- that Armenian flavor that we sort of think of when we think of Armenian music. And, um, and so I think that would have been the most uh, touching to him. The recording is divided into three eras. Can you talk a little bit about how you divided these sections? And obviously it's kind of progressing as we're learning more about the original composer, if you will, Komitas, who, as you said, was kind of the father of classical Armenian music. Then we moved to Kachaturian, who uh, was very celebrated while he was alive. And... um, you know, supported by Stalin. So he wasn't ostracized in any manner or struggled, really. He really knew how to drive that line, especially around that time when it was very sketchy for artists with all the politics involved. But um, he discovered Babajanian, who was another, Arno Babajanian, another composer on our disc. Uh, He discovered his piano playing at a very young age and sort of stayed connected with him in his musical education they became very good friends, actually, and Kachaturian, of course, was a mentor, like a mentor to Babajanian. And this, the Babajanian elegy, that one of the piano solo pieces on this disc, uh, was actually written by Babajanian for Kachaturian's funeral when he did pass. But it's an elegy for Kachaturian, who was his good friend and mentor. From then, we move on to, there's Aratunian, who was around the same uh, generation of composers of Kachaturian. Who's most known for his trumpet concerto, but the Aratunian called Impromptu, which is also on this disc, is one of, a, one of our pieces that Annie and I grew up playing. So it was really fun to record, actually finally officially record it. We started kind of questioning ourselves, like, should we do something else? Should we do this? Should we add to it? But we have been playing, it, it basically become a part of us. So we really couldn't change anything. We could only play it the way we've always played it since we were little kids. But we think it, I mean, that was the best way for it to work. Uh, from then we move on to Vasha Sharafian, who was the living... Yeah, the living composers. Then there were the living composers. You know, we, we're Armenian, and we have a strong sense of what it means to be Armenian, but we were born in the United States, so being American is a big part of who we are, you know, and we're, we're so grateful that, you know, to have, have the opportunity to live in this great country. So we wanted the idea of merging an American composer with an Armenian theme of music. We liked that concept. We couldn't ignore our American side. The CD is a way of documenting our Armenian heritage, documenting a part of us, something that we can transfer and 
give to the next generation of who we, who, what our past is, what our identity is. Um, and that leads us to Peter Boyer. And Annie, why don't you talk a little bit about Peter Boyer? Sure. So he, Peter Boyer is a wonderful, wonderful composer. And he's quite known for his American sound. Um, in fact, he even teaches a class about Copeland and Bernstein. He has had over 250 performances of his huge orchestral work um, for orchestra and narrators and singers called Ellis Island, which is appropriate for this disc. Uh, he's won the Ellis Island Award. He wrote a piece for President Biden's inauguration that was played on, on the TV as Biden was approaching um, the White House. And, and so it was kind of an interesting uh, curveball for both us and for him um, when this idea came up, like, how do we make this work? Well, for him, everyone's so used to him writing these American themes and having this American sound. So he wanted to, you know, surprise everyone, look what else I can do. He also writes big work, so for him to write this intimate chamber work for cello and piano was a challenge in, in a good way and, um, and something that he really was up for. And we also wanted to, like Marta said, include this American side of, of ours, which is a huge part of us as well. And to make it work, we thought, well, why don't we have this American composer write something sort of based on Armenia? And what is a bigger symbol of Armenia than Mount Ararat. So Mount Ararat, the symbol of Mount Ararat can be seen on every restaurant in Armenia. Everywhere you look, there's a picture of Ararat. You, in fact, the mountain itself is looming all, all throughout. Anywhere you go in Armenia, especially Yerevan, you see this mountain. And it's so close, yet now it's not officially Armenia. And it's such a, it's such a, uh, emotional thing for the Armenian people to have this mountain that's meant so much to them over the years. It is, it is supposedly the resting place of Noah's Ark, so it's it's of a religious importance to the people. And and over the years, there's you know the land where the mountain rests has gone back and forth, and and it's just not part of Armenia right now. But yet it's right there, and and it's a very um, important place for our, for our people. So it, I feel like Peter managed to. With just two two instruments, managed to sort of capture the um, the significance of this mountain, the the beauty of it, the the um, sort of undercurrent of um, turbulence that it's caused. Um, he Peter's really managed to to capture all of all of that in this nine-minute piece that he wrote for us called Mount Ararat. And it, it's just wonderful. It's dramatic. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, the uh, theme, Krunk. Yes, which... that was quite amazing, actually. It, 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 there was an idea. Do you think you could somehow just do a quote of Komitas in there? And Krunk is the crane, Komitas's most fa famous piece that, that we know of. Um, and so we kind of asked, and he said, well, I'll think about it. 
And he kind of said, I didn't think he'd be able to do it based on his harmonic world and and Komitas' harmonic world. They're so different. It was like, how could he possibly make that work? But he did. It's at the very end of the piece. You hear all of a sudden there's this magical moment when when it's Komitas. Um, and then in the last few seconds, it, it, it changes back to Boyer's world and the piece ends. Um, it's just, it's wonderful. We're so happy to have this piece in our repertoire and, in, and now in the repertoire for all cellists and pianists. And that piece which Peter Boyer quotes, you said it's called Kronk, and that is also on this recording. And the crane is very significant in Armenian culture. Can you explain to us what, why it's so significant? The Actually, the crane, it's not just Armenian culture. I, I think in, in Japanese culture as well, and probably others that I don't know of, um, it is a symbol of longing for one's homeland. You know, news from home. What does the crane say? You know, it's a, and I think somehow it's um, translated into longing for one's homeland. Um, and that is, you know, a big part of um, Armenians who have been displaced uh, and not, no longer living in their country. Um, you know, one composer we did not mention uh, was Tertarian, who actually wrote the largest work on that we have on, a, on this CD, um, the Tertarian Cello Piano Sonata. And I did discuss Vace Sharafian, the living composer that we met in Armenia. Tertarian was his teacher. So there was that connection that I also loved. Um, this piece by Tertarian is not very well known, and it hasn't been officially recorded, so it was sort of a new find for us. Not a new work, but a new new find for us. Um, Tertarian is mostly known for his symphonies, uh, which we adore. I, I happen to love them. Um, very rhythmical, full of colors, uh, and instru various vast instrumentation, um, but a very, very energetic and driving quality composer. And this sonata is no exception. And you said that this sonata is not well known. How did the two of you come upon it? YouTube. <laughs> digging and digging <laughs> through YouTube. Um, we happened to find, gosh, it was an old recording, but it was only portions of it, Annie, and I can't remember yeah. who that cellist was. Uh, I'll find her. I'll, I'll find her name for later. But there's there's a there's two that we found. One was this this woman. I also can't remember her name. But then Levon Muradjan also has part of the sonata on, um, and he's a wonderful Armenian cellist. Uh, that I think lives in Portugal, uh, a fantastic cellist. And um, was so that an official I, recording, I or was that just that? I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think it was just from a concert sure. or something. I don't think he ever recorded mm -hmm. it. So there was only snippets mm -hmm. of it. So mm -hmm. I call. I contacted Armenia actually to get the music. That was an interesting. <laughs> Getting it through facsimile was. There was a lot. Of, you know, <laughs> at first, and it arrived, and everything was. All the pages were about two inches big. <laughs> Um, so that took a few months to kind of get the music to, transferred <laughs> over to the United States because uh, we did not pick it up when we were in Armenia. 
So that was a challenge, but uh, it was challenge worth it because we think this is a valuable piece for the cello piano repertoire as well. So this is the first full recording of this work, it sounds like. Yes, it sounds like it is. I mean, I'd hate to be wrong, but um, I don't think it's... And the, the, the female cellist might have recorded the whole thing, but again, I don't think it was um, officially recorded on a label. I think it might have been a live concert. Uh, I'm not sure. I want to talk about this Lebanese-born pianist and composer, Serouj Krajan, because I know this piece was recorded by Lara St. John, and in fact, was it arranged or written for her originally? It was arranged. It's an originally a, a troubadour song, and uh, Serouj, in born in war-torn Lebanon, used to sing this song. His family used to gather around the table and sing this song to sort of lift their spirits as the bombs were dropping outside their their house. So um, so when Lara St. John approached him about arranging this piece, he said, "I not only do I know that song, I, I love that song, and it's a very strong uh, connection to me. So he was happy to um, arrange it for her, and I, I loved it so much. I said, can, can we do this on cello, Serouj? Uh, and he, he willingly said, oh, yes, please, that would be great. So I, I, we love this piece. It's, it's And everywhere we've played it, it's also been very effective. Um, people always comment backstage about this particular piece. Sari Sirunyar. Yes, Sari Sirunyar means beautiful girl from the mountain. And it was a big hit when you played it in Armenia, too, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they loved it, for sure. Aram Kajaturian, probably the best-known composer who's featured on this recording. How did you decide what pieces to feature of Kajaturian? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, we could have, heck, we could have, maybe that'll be our next CD, Music of All Kajaturian. <laughs> I mean, it could have been done. Um, but we wanted to also record things that haven't been recorded. Say Deep likes to do that. They like to, you know, to record something that isn't as popular uh, the other thing that came into play was arrangements. We needed to find good arrangements for cello and piano of, of particular pieces. So that also um, was a priority. Well, that's a good answer, that you're recording things that people might not know. In putting this recording together, what did each of you discover about yourselves that maybe surprised you? That's a good question. Hmm, you're getting all philosophical <laughs> on us, Julie. <laughs> we always knew this was something we wanted to do. I'm surprised it actually took us as long as it did. Um, but, I, you know, we were living. <laughs> we had lives to tend to. We were, had other projects going on. COVID gave us the time to focus on, you know, you, those back burner projects that just don't get the attention when you're in the middle of the rat race. So once COVID hit, boom, erase everything that you're doing, erase, you know, kids don't have to take the kids to school. They're in their rooms. Um, no more traveling because your, your concerts have all been canceled. Teaching, no more driving to the university. You're, you're teaching from home, if you are even teaching. So it really gave us all time to focus on things that we've been wanting to get to. Um, and that timing happened exactly as such. Um, 
that's when I started emailing with Jim, you know, maybe now's the time to set a date. And we're, we put together the program. I had time to re we had time to research it. We had notes from Armenia that had been sitting there. We had music from Armenia that's been, you know, covered with a little bit of dust, you know? So it was time to sort of bring everything to the forefront. Um, so it all worked out. I was surprised at how sentimental we kind of got during the recording again, you know, we, we got a little emotional, you know, playing these Armenian pieces has always been sort of a part of us, but a little frivolous. Now we actually were putting it, our documentation of what it meant to be Armenian down, officially down for our, for the next generations. And there was something a little remarkable about that process. You know, it's almost like when you're about to get married, you know, you're going to get married, you know, you're going to get married, but then you're standing in front of your future husband in front of God, the priest, and everybody you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a reality at that moment where, wow, I'm really doing this. And that's how it was when we were recording this, you know, is this how we want to play this this piece? We want to document it like this, you know? And I want to make sure that my emotion is here because this is how I really feel about it. So, you know, pulling your emotions um, into the music to record it is always, um, always surprisingly... Um, impactful. Um, and that was what I think happened to me, at least, during the recording. I want to ask you one more follow-up on that, Marta, and then, Ani, I'll ask you to respond. Is there a piece on this recording where you feel like those emotions are best reflected? Well, I cannot ignore the elegy by Baba Janyan, you know, and, and I was in the hall, uh, we were at University of Chicago, um, and I was in there by myself, and it was just the music, you know, echoing. back of the hall, I could just hear this elegy, this beautiful, soulful memory, Baba Janyan, you know, pouring his soul out um, in memory of Kachaturian and imagining, you know, my grandfather listening. I felt like he was there listening. I did get rather emotional so that I cannot ignore the, that particular piece for me. And the other one was the Artunian, just because it was such a part of our our, you know, we, we played it so many times at churches, just flip, you know, so flippantly. And now we were documenting it, you know, 35 years later. And it just was, it was quite remarkable to be able to do that. Listening to the CD, the Baba Janyan aria and dance, I, I love the way that came out. I, I don't know why I just... Uh, I was surprised at how how much I liked that recording of us playing it. You know what else I was uh, I loved as I was listening to the edits. I just somehow when, when we got to Ivan's song um, by Chetaturian. it was just so. I don't know. It touched simple. Yes, it was the simplicity of it that really just got to me. Um, it wasn't um, overly dramatic. 
it's just so simple and, and there's not it's much in it. Simple things can represent such monumental emotions and memories and traditions. You know, it's like watching those French films, you know. What are the it's the simplest thing, yet you're bawling your eyes out. <laughs> but these are these pieces are like that for us, you know, they're they're memories, they're examples of what it means for us to be Armenian. Going to church as a child, um, there were always events in the church hall after after mass. And um, it seems like almost every time there would be some woman with a wobbly voice who would just stand up <laughs> at a random time and just start singing Karuk. Um, this is sort of the, the anthem of the Armenian world. Um, and so this this picture of the woman with a not very good voice, but really wobbly vibrato, and <laughs> but very all all the passion and drama, but none of the technique. <laughs> um, so that that uh, vision was in my mind as as we were recording this piece that we had we had to record because, like I said, it's sort of the anthem. Those visions of that were definitely running through my head as we were recording. I know there's a whole Soviet section in this recording. I mean, are you feeling any connection to that in some way? I can't help but feel, I can't help but think all those poor Ukrainians, you know, they're leaving their country. They're going to be in this situation of this generation is moving, is going to be acclimating to a new country. That's going to be their their purpose. The future, their future generation, their children, their grandchildren, they're going to be faced with how to stay connected to their Ukrainian identity. You know, this is this. I I, I keep thinking about that when I see them. You know, going just ex- exiting their homeland, um, and that's that's their fate. You know, most of them, the ones that don't go back, which I have to imagine are quite a few of them. They're going to have to come to the realization of how are we going to translate what it means to be our Ukrainian to our own children? How are we going to maintain this and um, carry their traditions on? It's it's. I, I don't think I think it's also a need to do that. Um, you know, when a, when a group of people is displaced, they feel this need to sort of come together and I don't know if it recreate, but somehow maintain that identity um, in a very tight way. That's why I think Armenians are are very tight, um, the diaspora. Um, we're a very tight community. And, um, you know, uh, Armenia was under Soviet rule. So, of, of course, I think the Armenians can't help but fear what could be in their future based on what's happening today in Ukraine. It's their first recording together. It's called Gems from Armenia, featuring the sisters Marta and Annie Osnavorian. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer for new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher.